재미와 지식의 오디오라이프 팝빵 This is Korea Escape TBS EFM 101.3 in Seoul. Bit of new music there because we're trying something different now. We're going to welcome a couple of podcasters here to the studio and via remote link. They are fascinated with the English language. English is difficult to learn if you're a non-native speaker. And even if you are a native speaker, there are so many twists and turns and weird things going on with this language, inconsistencies, if you will, that you can devote a whole podcast to exploring why we even say this or that. Amanda Greenwood is a New York native. Dave Roberts is an England native. And they've been expats living in Korea for more than a decade. They're here to talk about why they started their podcast called The Owlish Folk. Amanda is here in the studio. Hi to you. Hello, Kurt. And Dave is on the line. Hello, Dave. Have I got you? Yes, yes, I'm here. Welcome, welcome to you both. Let me start with you, Amanda, since you're right here next Mm. to me. Why do you name a podcast The Owlish Folk? (laughs) So I'm pretty obsessed with owls. My mother was, and I kind of got that gene passed on to me. Unfortunately, I'm passing that obsession on to my daughter. Um, but You have an owl with you here yes, in the studio. It's like an I owl do. mascot. Yes, uh, and I told you you could wear it later, so we'll get a picture of that. <laughs> an owl like a pirate, yes. an owl on my shoulder. That's right. So it's just your fascination with owls. It's yeah. not necessarily a language thing, per But se. also, owls represent wisdom and knowledge, and then the word folk I like how it represents just the idea of people, normal people. And that's what Dave and I are. We don't claim to be experts. Uh, We just enjoy language and learning about it. And we wanted to do this podcast. Well, you're English professors at a university Mm -hmm. here. So you've got a certain street cred there. (laughs) Dave, uh, you are the UK representative of the pair. The two of you banter back and forth and obviously do. I've listened to your episodes. You obviously do some quality research about the questions you're talking about. Uh, How did you and Amanda, were these conversations you were having anyway? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, we would chat about these things anyway, so we would get uh, questions from students in class, and we would uh, talk about these questions just between ourselves, and then that would lead to uh, our own just research out of curiosity. And then uh, the more we researched, the more we chatted, the more we thought, you know, these, these uh, interesting conversations, but there isn't really uh, time in the class setting to get into these things. They often describe English as a, what is it, a common language separated, two countries separated by a common language, I think, is the the thing. So there's an interpersonal dynamic there Mm -hmm. of uh, USA and UK. You guys get into that much, sort of the uh, twists and turns of UK versus American English? Um, It's definitely something we're going to get into more. We uh, try to bring that in where it's appropriate, where it's relevant, but... Definitely, we're going to have episodes coming up where we look into that that in a lot more depth. Yeah. Amanda, I was just listening to uh, a podcast of yours where you were talking about the thee and thou and ye and you. English, like other European languages in the past, had many iterations of how to say you. And I think a lot of Korean language learners might not even know that. A lot of English speakers yes. may not know those details. So uh, what, what? give me an idea and give the listeners an idea of some of the topics you've unpacked in this podcast. So, so far we've looked at... Topics that, as you've mentioned, we as English speakers talk about 
uh, often and use in our speech, but we don't necessarily know why they exist, such as silent letters. Mm. Why is the S in island silent? I don't think we really think about that. So we've discussed that. And why is the pronoun I capitalized? It's the only pronoun that's capitalized. Ah, is that right? Mm-hmm. It's always capitalized. You're right. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, you have a whole episode devoted to that, if I recall yes, correctly. We do. And it's also partially a, a language lesson, but also a history lesson, that's isn't it? That's right. So much of the tradition that's behind language comes from whatever happened in history. Mm-hmm. Um, you did a great episode. Well, Dave, let me ask you about this. You did a fantastic episode about uh, why um, the months are named the way they are and the silent S that Amanda was just talking about. These can all be traced back to historical causes, can't they? Yes, that's right. I mean, looking into any of these things, it is a history lesson. And English has such a rich and interesting history uh, with so many different players uh, and different groups uh, having their own influence Mm. that... uh, it's sort of a mongrel language in that way. So you'd have to learn about the history to understand the stories behind these the quirks in the language. And I think that's why we are so interested in it. It's the deeper we dig, the more we find these incredible stories, uh, such as the, uh, the capitalized I pronoun. Why is that? Just go ahead and give that away in a nutshell. Why is I capitalized alone among the pronouns? <laughs> okay. So... I always assumed it was because it replaces a name. And so we capitalize uh, proper nouns, we mm. capitalize people's names, so it must be just to replace that. But it, it isn't. It's more out of uh, convenience. So capital letters came before lowercase letters because they're originally composed of straight lines and they could be carved into a hard substrate like uh, bark or uh, tablet. Uh-huh. But then as the substrate became softer and people used animal skins, they could write in a more free-flowing form and the letters became uh, curved and they ran words together. Spaces weren't always used in between words. And so a lowercase i was just lost in uh, curly and letters. So to make it more prominent, people would draw a much taller i. But of course, when then uh, the printing press was brought in, this, there was no special character for a slightly taller, lowercase i. So it was just substituted with the uh, uppercase capital I in print. Wow. Amanda, I thought that uh, there was this elaborate sort of story behind it, but you just wanted to be able to make a, a taller, straighter line <laughs> yes. on whatever you were scratching out, your cuneiform tablet or your whatever it was, That's right. uh, your, your piece of rock or, or bark that you were writing on. Um, you seem to have, listening to the podcast, uh, an interest in French language as well. And I often make the comparison between... Uh, the influence that French and the Norman invasion had on our English language and the degree of influence that Chinese has on Korean. Uh, about half, at least, of our words that we speak to each other have some sort of Romance language That's derivation, right. don't they? Yes, Likewise with Korean. So much Chinese influence, half of what you say, yes. comes from the Chinese. So that's got to be a major theme in what you're That's talking right. about. And just like you said, linguistic change and the history of events is what what makes English, how the language evolves. And just like you mentioned, the Norman invasion was a really, really important event. In 1066, they invaded England. 
the whole language changed. There were all these French loan words that English decided to borrow. And we sounded a lot more like, I don't know, <laughs> Dutch people or, yeah. or German people before William the That's Conqueror right. came, right? Well, because of that invasion, English is considered closer to one of the Romance languages than a Germanic language mm. because of the French influence. Yeah, kind of. A lot of French decoration hung on a, uh, a Germanic sort of skeleton. That's right. It's a good way to put it. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you guys have lived for more than 10 years here in Korea. Uh, have you been um, connecting with Korean at all? I used, do you study Korean? Um, I studied it before I came, mm -hmm. just independently by myself. And I remember it was so exciting because I would sit on the subway and I would practice Hangul just by the, the scrolling, uh, you know, advertisements right. or whatever. And then I was on a bus one day and I saw a sign and I kind of said it to myself and then it just clicked. And it was such a great moment because I realized I can read and I can understand. I'm not just reading the characters. It's like that breakthrough moment when you stop sounding out Hangul syllable or even letter by letter and you go, Oh, I just read a word yes. as an as an entire word. Yes, uh, and Hangul lets you do that because you know it's it's so accessible, and then it's kind of like getting to a plateau, mm. and there's a giant cliff down below <laughs> <laughs> of everything else that you you have yeah. to learn. Dave, how are your uh, Korean language travails going? Um, they're going okay. Um, I, I've got an extra incentive now, you know, with my my kids, so I you know I want to. Uh, Keep up with them, and uh, you've gone completely local. You've married a Korean woman, and you have a family here. That's right. Yes, fantastic. Yes. So that's going to be an interesting household. You'll you'll speak a sort of a mix of Korean and English, and the kids will get the benefit of both sides. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so up until our first trip back to England, my daughter spoke mostly Korean, but now she knows that people in other places speak other language. She's uh, she's interested in English too, and so her English has flourished in the last uh, couple of years. She's four now. What an amazing emotional incentive that must be to connect on a deeper level with the language. It's one thing to have a spouse, but to then see yeah. the next generation come into the world that, you know, it, it depends on you uh, learning their language and finding some linguistic common ground in order to connect. Um, is it, are you going to continue to speak to your kids in English, do you reckon, or do you reckon you'll try to do a mix? Uh, well, at the, at the moment, we mostly speak English at home. Okay. Um, and then when the kids are at, at daycare and with friends, um, or just with my wife, it's uh, almost all Korean. Um, and I think we'll keep that as, as much as possible, because I think the advantage of being able to, to think in these two languages um, and to have them overlap with each other as appropriate is, is such a gift for the, for the children. Yeah, no uh, doubt. Such a, a huge gift for them. Amanda, uh, so where does this podcast go from now? It's in early days-ish. I think you got, what, about eight, nine episodes? Yes. Um, which is a good sort of hit-the-ground running output for a podcast. Uh, but you want to increase the output, right? You want to continue yes. to issue this. What directions do you reckon you're going to go into? Well, we've already recorded maybe eight or nine more episodes more. great because dave is editing mm -hmm. everything so uh take some time it's just the two of us doing everything yeah um and in the future i don't see why we couldn't possibly publish a book yeah 
based around our episodes or concepts that we're interesting in, interested in that are uh, relevant to what we're talking about. Podcast. I like to, to do that. Have you ever read the story of English or seen it? It's a PBS series. I don't know if I have. The Story of English. It's on PBS, and it's, uh, you know, kind of an encyclopedia of a lot of the things that you seem to be sort of going at morsel by morsel every week. Mm. You know, the the history behind the words and the iterations and the way it all sounds. Mm. Dave, when you were going through school, I mean, as somebody growing up in England, um, how deep of a history did you learn about your own language in terms of understanding what, say, Chaucer sounds like to be spoken and things like that? Well, here's the interesting thing. I think in school, um, you, you either are pushed into an arts uh, avenue or a science avenue, and I took the science avenue. So I didn't really get into literature that much. And I, was, I always thought if I am into science, then literature and arts just aren't for me, and that included kind of language arts. Mm. So I've only really got into this since I... Uh, started teaching and then I sort of discovered this whole world that was right there in front of me and um, so yeah the idea of how Chaucer spoke and how uh, that has led in direct line through uh, Shakespeare and through to us it's uh, learning about that as an as an adult has, has been the adventure for me. Let me ask you both, Dave, first, uh, where do you get your inspiration in terms of podcasts or stuff that you think is cool to listen to? Oh, good question. Um, Do you have a favorite I, one? or? Yeah, I, I like to have a, a number of different types of podcasts on, uh, uh, on hand because uh, I think when you, you download a podcast, you kind of invite uh, the presenters into your, into your life. They become uh, part of your world and they, they're good company if, they, right. you, know, if you enjoy the, the show. So I, I like the long-form discussions of uh, the Joe Rogan experience. Sure. Um, but I also really like the snippets in like the Korean class 101 episodes. Yeah. We learn something really fascinating and useful in five or six minutes. Yeah. Quick sort of th- there's I heard Amanda two things from Dave there snack content quick little nuggets mm. and then super in depth. I'm also surprised by the extent to which I like the Joe Rogan podcast. There's an even more radical example of that called hardcore history have you ever listened oh, to that oh yeah yeah there's yeah, dave Collins, sure. yeah hardcore history is like 3 hour discussions on one given topic and he just goes and sometimes multiple episodes of 3 hours but i'm telling you as daunting as that sounds it's actually pretty good See, for me, I when I'm looking at downloading a podcast, I look at the episode length. Yeah. And if I see that it's over 45, I just, yeah. I can't do it because I just don't have that, that much, much downtime. Yeah. You know, we're trying to make our episodes short so that somebody can listen to it during a commute. Mm-hmm. And my commute isn't that long, so I'm looking for a short podcast to listen to. Yeah. yeah. The optimal length might be about <laughs> 20 on average, I'll bet. Yeah. Do you have a favorite? Um. <clears throat> I have a few. Uh, I love linguistic podcasts uh, anyway. Uh, so Lexicon Valley ooh. and The Illusionist. I've heard of both of those. Yeah, I love yeah. them. They're great. Those, I mean, <clears throat> podcasts, it's all about nerding out on what you feel passionate mm-hmm. about and just diving as deep as you can. And, and I think authenticity is so important. Amanda and Dave Roberts, Amanda Greenwood and Dave Roberts. The Owlish Pod the Owlish Folk Podcast is your baby, and I hope that it has a long life and a lot of followers. Thank you both for Thank joining you us. So much. Thank you.